teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now as Pastor Joe teaches from the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 5. 1 Timothy 5, verse 1. Paul writes, Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with all purity. It's very obvious the church is a family. He's breaking it down for Timothy. And we have to remember that, that we're a family. And I'm sure we do. You know, we hear people say, you know, we, we say this all the time. Hey, sis, or hey, brother, or hey, bro, or whatever. And, and we, we constantly talk like that. But sometimes it's just our language. Are we treating each other as family? Are we truly treating each other as brothers? Are we, are we truly treating each other as sisters? Are we looking up to the older ones in the congregation as, as you know, mothers and fathers and, and that type of a way? And, and this is a reminder for that. Paul's reminding Timothy that you're a family. Act like a loving family. Because what I think with all the correction that Paul was telling Timothy to do, that he might lose the, the, you know, the insight that, wait a second, we're still a family. You know? So as you're correcting, as you're you know, dealing with false doctrine, as you're dealing with this, as you're dealing with that, as you're, as you're working on you know, you know, maybe rebuking some and, and maybe kicking some out of the church during that time, and all those things that are going on. But he doesn't want Timothy to lose sight of the fact that you guys are a family. We're the family of God. And it's a loving family that the church is supposed to be. And I can say, you know, with this church, it's pretty much, that's what it seems like. It's still, you know, we're still a family. We're still, even on Sundays, we, you know, we're pretty packed out here on Sundays, as most of you know, that come out on Sundays. And, and we're, you know, growing on Tuesday nights and all. But our family's growing. But I, I still like the fact that we're a family. And I don't ever want to lose that. And we do get people from time to time that come from bigger churches that come here and say, oh, we really love this, you know, this church because it's more like a family. You know, I can, you know, it's more intimate. And I can imagine, you know, as these churches grow, as this church grows too, you know, I can see how it can, you know, it's a battle to keep it that way, to keep it as a family. And I think so far by the grace of God and by his spirit, we've been able to keep it that way so far. And I, I hope we never lose that. The feel of the family, that we're still a family, no matter how much we grow, this is a family. And Paul is exhorting Timothy to realize that, you know, keep it like a family. But look again at verse one, it says, do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. There's supposed to be a special treatment for older men. You're to respect them. You're to show them respect. As I've mentioned before, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, but I'll tell you what, my parents and my grandparents, they always taught me to respect my elders. I mean, that was instilled in me ever since I was small. You know, you respect your elders. And if, you know, you're, you don't just talk and interrupt and you respect your elders. And even in a secular world, they get it. They, they understand that you're supposed to respect those that are older. And, and it's biblical. Levit, Leviticus 19.32, I'm going to read it to you. It says, you shall rise before a gray-headed man. I'm getting there, okay? I'm getting there. 
and honor the presence of an older man and fear your God, I am the Lord. So we're to respect those that are older. You were to have that respect. And, you know, we were to rise before that. We don't see that too often. If an older man, you know, comes in the room, everybody rises. We don't see that. But you think of the courtroom when, you know, when the judge comes in, it's all rise. And everybody, you know, they, out of respect for his authority, they, they stand up. So Paul's saying, Show respect to the, the elder men, but not only respect, he breaks it down when you're correcting him because, you know, it doesn't mean just because an older man is older that he's wise or he's doing what's right in the sight of the Lord. And, and young Timothy is going to have to correct some in the church that are older, but Paul's reminding him when you correct them, don't just rebuke him. Don't, don't rebuke that person, but exhort him. So there's a way to respect because he's older. So don't just blast him basically. I find it very interesting. Check this out. If you're a person that takes notes, this word rebuke, this is the only time that particular word is used in the whole entire Bible in the, in the New Testament. This word, rebuke. And, it, and it's a word that's very strong and it means to strike at. It means to strike out at that person. And, and in, this, in this context, I'd say verbally. It might mean to strike him. You know, you don't want to you know, go to just go up to an older man and just slap him upside the head. You don't want to do that. Obviously, but I think it's more speaking of verbally to, to go and just strike out with your words and just, just nail them. And you're not to do that, rather exhort, and that word means encourage, admonish, to appeal to. And then that's how we should deal with, you know, most people in the church, you know, not to just strike out. There's going to be times you have to strike out. You have to be, you know, that way. But for the most part, and when it comes to an elder or an elder man in the church, you're to, to be respectful and you're to say, hey, by the way, uh, can I tell you something? Can I, can I talk to you about something? There's something that, you know, and, and Timothy's given this exhortation to when he deals with the older men, not to just, you know, to be harsh with them, but to have respect for them and talk to them and appeal to them. I'll tell you, when I was in, in the corporate world and, and, you know, in management and all, and I tried to treat everyone, you know, the best I could with respect. I, I, I noticed that that, you know, you know, that's basically was, you know, that's my character, but, you know, I, I found that it worked real well when I had crews and different, you know, people working underneath me and all that, you know, to, to respect them and to not just strike out at them, even when they messed up, even when they messed up a few times, you know, just to go to them and say, well, I thought we talked about this, you know, to, you know, to, to talk with them with that kind of a respect. But then when they, you know, continually would get out of line and then I would, you know, then it was harsh. It was says, you know what, you know, I've warned you two or three times, but especially with the, the older men, you know, I, I did my best and I, I've seen before, Maybe you've seen this, where younger men, they're in places of authority, and sometimes they can go to their head, and they just walk around like they're just like, you know, Mr. Boss, and they're like, do, 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 do this, don't do that, you be quiet, you get over there, what did I tell you? And then, and especially then they're yelling at the older guys, and, the older, and it just, it's distasteful, and it's not right, and it's not biblical when it comes to the older men. Younger men, as brothers in the church, treat the younger men just as you would a loving brother. Older women as mothers, that respect that you, you should have for your mother, uh, treat the older women uh, like you would your own mother. It's important. Younger women as sisters. And did you notice with all purity? Not only treat the younger women in the church like they're a loving sister, but also make sure that it's with purity. And that goes out to the men. You know, make sure when you're dealing with 
with younger women in the church that you're doing, you're dealing with them with all purity. You're not looking at them in, a, in the wrong way. You're not talking with them flirtatiously or, you know, trying to, you know, whatever, you know, to use words to compliment them in the wrong way or anything like that. You know, treat her just like she's your sister. And that's a healthy way in the church that we should, we should conduct ourselves with one another with all purity. So for the men and for women here, you know, be careful. You know, that's, we're a family. Verse three, honor widows who are really widows. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents. For this is good and acceptable before God. So we look at the family, but now we're looking at uh, the respect for the widows. Take care of the widows. Do you remember in Acts chapter 6, do you remember when the, the Hellenist Jews, they were complaining, you know, the widows were neglected in the daily um, distribution, the food. Remember there was a, a complaint. So even in the early church, there was a neglect of the widows. And remember what they did is, you know, they picked seven men, they appointed seven men with, that were filled with the Holy Spirit and that, that were wise and they set them over, you know, the distribution of the, of the widows. So we see it even in the early church, again, that there was a problem with, with ministering properly to the widows, and they had to fix it. But notice, again, honor the widows who are really widows. And we're going to look at that, you know, in the next few verses, you know, which ones qualify to be a true widow. That, you know, some don't really qualify, and we'll look at that. But the responsibility for the family to take care of the widow first, the family's supposed to take care of uh, their parent, if the mother, if she's a widow, uh, they didn't have uh, social security back then. They didn't have retirement funds and, and all that kind of retirement homes and stuff like that. So the exhortation for the family to, to step it up. And it's still, I mean, even today, it's, it's, you see that, not just in the church. It's just common knowledge. You take care of your parents. You know, They took care of you. Now it's your turn. You know, when they get older, it's your turn to take care of them. Verse 5. Now she who is really a widow and left alone, trusting God and continues in supplication and prayers night and day. Wow, the characteristic of a, of a real widow. She's a prayer warrior. She trusts the Lord. She's not a worrier. She's a warrior. She's, not, <laughs> she's trusting in the Lord. And she's, she's praying day and night. For you know, those type of women are so nice to have in the church. Those that, that pray all the time. Those that, that are, you know, day and night. That's, they have that gift of just, you know, supplication and prayer. They just, they love to pray for others and intercede. And it's just a, it's such a wonderful thing. So Paul's breaking it down. He says, this is a real widow. If you, if you want to know how to find them, they're, they're the ones that are praying all the time. They're the ones that are trusting the Lord. But check this out. Verse six, it says, but she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. This is heavy. And these things command that they may be blameless. So the widows that, that word pleasure means uh, they live in a, a life given over to pleasure. Uh, the word actually means a, a voluptuous life, believe it or not. Uh, live a luxurious life. In other words, they're dead spiritually. They're not focused on the things of God. They're not focused on spiritual things. They're, they're you know, focused on, their focus is wrong. So Paul's saying, you know, they're dead. They're spiritually dead. And Paul's saying, Timothy, command them to be blameless. You know, tell them to turn around. Don't do that. So verse 8, it says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, 
He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Wow. Speaking of providing for the widow, the family should provide, and if they don't, they're worse than, a, than an unbeliever. But also, I believe it's speaking of, you know, in general, it says, you know, they don't provide for their own. The man of the house is mandated to provide for his family. These are some strong words. And it should wake up those that are not providing for their household. And, you know, I was thinking through this. I was thinking, you know, there's some that men that might have medical problems or physical problems. They're not able to provide. That's that does not. They don't fall in this category, you know. So, you know, you have to be careful. But if you're healthy and you're able to work and you're not providing for your household. This says you're worse than an unbeliever. In other words, the, the believers know better than this. They know that this is their responsibility, that they're to take care of their family. So, so don't fall in that category. Verse nine, do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number and not unless she has been the wife of one man, well reported for good works. If she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has Diligently followed every good work. Wow. These are some heavy qualifications for a, a true widow to take in the numbers. To take in the numbers means to, to put her uh, on the list to be taken care of with the church. So if she's under 60 years old, you don't want to take her into the numbers. You don't want to, to bring her in and, and take care of her. And we're going to see why. But this is how to find the ones that you're to take in. The ones that are servants. The ones that are, you know, that are diligent to help other people. You want them in the church. You want them to, to come and be part of the church. And you want to feed them and help them out if they have no family. But refuse the younger widows. For when they have begun to grow wanton against Christ, they desire to marry. Having condemnation because they have cast off their first faith. And besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house and not only idle, but also gossips, busybodies, saying, these, saying things which they ought not. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? <laughs> the, the younger widows, if they have too much, just check this out. It's just common sense. And I, I believe, as we're going to see Paul through you know, time, he's learned that this has happened. That the younger widows, if you just take them in, bring them into the church, you provide for them, you take care of them. Well, they're young. They've got all this energy. And it's like, you know, they're going to just, they're going to have too much time in their hands. So they're going to be gossiping. They're going to be talking to others. They're going to be saying things they shouldn't say. Satan is going to get a hold of them. And it's going to be bad. So Paul's telling Timothy, encourage them to get married. Encourage them to go out. And to, to start a family. So that's what he's going to say. The next verse. Verse 14. Therefore I desire that the younger widows marry. Bearing children. Managing the house. Give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully. For some have already turned aside after Satan. So Paul encouraging Timothy. I believe he's, he's basically saying I've seen this before. Some have already turned to Satan, so don't fall in that trap. Let the young widows remarry. Let them bear children so they don't have too much time in their hands. Verse 16. If any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them. And do not let the church be burdened, that it may relieve those who are really widows. 
So the, the exhortation, uh, the family take care of the widows because otherwise the church will have to and, and it's, you know, it's not going to work out well that way. So now elders, verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Pastors typically love these two verses because it makes it clear as we break it down a little bit that the church should be taking care of the elders or the pastors of the church if they're teaching the word, if they're ruling well, and they're to be taken care of. Um, just, I just want to you know, break it down just a little bit. Elders, we looked at the, the word before. Basically, it's the overseers of the church. Speaking of pastors or could be you know, overseers that, that operate in the title of an elder. But check it out. It says, who rule well, they should be counted, be counted worthy of double honor. We look at that verse as double honor, we think of respect, and it means that. But in context, it, it does mean, it's, it talks about uh, financially. Because if you look, or not just financially, just providing for them. And it goes on to say, it you know, talks about the ox, and don't muzzle the ox where they're, they're treading out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his, of his wages and all that. So it's talking about, you know, providing for them. An ox is out in the field, you don't want to... When an ox is, you know, treading and, and plowing, you don't want to put a muzzle on them. If they want to eat the, the grain, let them eat the grain. You know, don't stop them from eating. And it's, it's kind of a picture of the pastor. If he's in the field that he's plowing, in the field that he's, he's tending, he's taking care of things, you know, you want him to be fed in that, in, that, in that field. You don't want to, you know, keep him from being taken care of, basically. Most of you know the fact that I don't like talking about money. Matter of fact, I have people come up to me and they say, you know, why don't you teach on tithing? And they'll, they'll come up to me and tell me, you know, they'll ask me, they'll say, you know, maybe you should teach on tithing. And, and I was like, well, when we get to that part in the Bible, I'll teach on tithing. You know, that's, a, that's just how we operate. And I think the, the reason why I, I even shy away from, you know, talking about money so much, because I see the abuse of it with other ministries. I, I see some, and, and I've mentioned this before, where all they talk about is money. And, and sometimes I'm just, I'm blown away how they can take scriptures and they always twist it to, you know, to make it sound like this means that you should provide for me or the church or you send in your donation, send in your pledge. Remember as a baby Christian being so turned off by that. I remember one guy, I was watching TV and he puts his hand up to the, the cameras like this. He goes, oh, I feel somebody out there is supposed to give a thousand dollars. He goes, come on, brother. He goes, put your hand up on the TV set. And he says, oh, I feel the Lord saying, you give that $1,000, the Lord's going to give you 10000 I, I feel it right now. Ten, he goes, oh, 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 now I'm feeling somebody with 10000 No, that's right. And he's like, he's going on and on like that. It's just, I was like, that's not Christianity. That's not biblical Christianity. It's not, you know, I didn't feel at all it, it, in my spirit, it, you know, the Lord ministering to me that that's what church is about. And so I do find myself going the opposite direction. I find myself, you know, maybe talking even less about it. You know, when I, even when sometimes when we're on the, we go through the areas where it talks about tithing. I'm like, okay. And I just kind of skim over and talk a little bit because, you know, where God guides, he provides. And I've always, you know, seen the hand of the Lord providing for his people, providing for the church. 
And in, I know the Lord, you know, he'll, he'll stop me. And I'm like, Lord, I don't even like to teach on this. You know, I don't like to talk about, it. you know, even this, when I was reading through this, I was just like, I don't even like to, you know, this, this has, has everything to do with, you know, the pastor being taken care of, the elders and people to, you know, make sure they provide and all that. But I was like, yeah. And I, I just assume everybody knows that, you know, it's like, that's common sense. You know, that's what we do. We, you know, we tithe and we give to the church. So they're, they're the, you know, the people are, the ministers are taken care of. But I find it interesting to, to break it down a little bit more. I find it interesting, you know, that he uses an Old Testament scripture and he uses a New Testament scripture uh, to put, you know, to say that you're to provide for the elder. And he, the, the Old Testament scriptures, De- Deuteronomy 25, 4, and obviously it speaks of the ox as he plows, as I already talked about, you know, don't put a muzzle on him as he's, as he's working, let him eat. Let, make sure he's taken care of, you know, don't, don't stop him from being provided for. And you get the picture of, you know, as the work of the Lord is going on and you see the work of the Lord and it's going forward and the, the word's being taught and people are being saved and, that, and you, you don't want to stop. You don't want to stop the, you know, you want to make sure that those that are doing that are provided and taken care of, that they're not stopped and from going forward in what God has. And it's a beautiful picture. And then also the New Testament scripture there where it says the labor is worthy of his wage. That's Jesus speaking in Matthew 10. And Jesus, he was sending out his disciples and he was telling them, go and preach, you know, preach to the people and heal them and go out. And he sent them out and they went out and healed. They went out to preach. And then he said to them, he says, he says, provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your bag. He says, nor even have a bag for your journey or even don't even worry about your sandals or a coat and your staff. He says, a workman is worthy of his food. So he was saying, you guys go out and minister and don't worry about providing for yourself. The people that you minister to, they're going to provide for you. They're going to take care of you. So don't even have thought of, of taking that. It, it was a step of faith for his disciples to go out. And I, I believe, you know, just seeing the work that the Lord's done with Calvary Chapel of the Harbor, I mean, it was just a total step of faith. And it was, you know, I feel as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, wow, that's kind of basically what you did for us, Lord. You said, just go out and, and don't worry about it. I remember telling my, you know, telling Kathleen, we were at Calvary Costa Mason. I was there full time, assistant pastor, and the Lord made it very clear, drop the nets here. I want you to start over there. And I remember telling Kathleen about the whole thing and saying, yeah, honey, and the Lord. And she's like, well, you know, yeah, okay, well, where's the, where's the provision? How, you know, do you get a check? <laughs> And I was like, that's the Lord's problem, you know? And she's like, no, that's our problem. We got bills. We got a house payment. And I remember that, you know, just the, the whole thing. And I thought, oh, well, yeah, okay. I better, you know, practically and sensibly. And you got to think of these. And you're right. And she's, you know, trying to bring the balance. I'm like, I know the Lord's calling me here. I know the Lord. And I, and I remember, you know, those at Calvary Costa Mesa, I sat down with them. And they says, well, why don't you work part-time here and, and part-time over there? And that way you're at least getting a paycheck and it'll help pay your bills. And I thought, that is beautiful. That is, I love that. That sounds so good. Makes sense. It's, it's, it's totally makes sense. And I remember, you know, I was putting the finishing touches on all that whole thing. And I had a meeting about it and everything. And as I was waiting for my meeting, the Lord spoke to me and says, I want you to drop the nets. And he gave me a scripture about the 99. And he basically spoke to my heart and says, you know, the 99 are being taken care of here. I want you to go get the ones that are lost, those that have gone astray. And I want you to bring them back. And I want you just to drop the nets here and I want you to just focus over there. 
And I said, Lord, can you tell my wife that? No, <laughs> I didn't say that. I told her. But... And that was, it'll be 10 years coming up. What's the date? What's March this month, 10 years. We started the work. The Lord started the work. May 18th will be the 10 years we started a Sunday morning service at the Women's Club. But it's so awesome to see when the Lord guides, he always provides, he always takes care of us. And sometimes the Lord will call us to step out in faith and just to trust him. And it's a walk of faith. It's become the throne of mercy. It's the sound of our singing praise. It's the sound of our Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory. It's become the throne of mercy. It's the sound of our singing praise. It's the sound of our 